Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife and all of our staff and pastors, so glad that you're with us, especially you're here with us for the very first time. Have you our guests with us? We always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. Uh, here's why is when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. And so our hope is that you would come back and check us out, and hopefully we could be your spiritual family. If you're watching online, welcome everybody watching online. we got people watch all over the world, and we're so glad for our online audience. Uh, but, hey, I always tell people this. It's great to see us online, but there's nothing like being in person, right? I always tell somebody, like, you know, there's one thing to see the postcard of Hawaii, and then there's, like, a whole nother, that's a whole nother beast when you're sitting with your toes in the sand. So I'm just telling you this. So, I, yes, I've just compared our church to the beaches at Hawaii. So please come and check us out. I'm sure everybody in here would agree. So uh, we're so glad that you're with us today. Um, you, um, I always invite to come back uh, three times because sometimes I'm not preaching, and today I'm not preaching. Next week I am. Everybody say next week. I'm going to be here. No, that's what you're supposed to say. You're supposed to I'm gonna say I'm going to be here. Yeah, so you're going to be here so that uh, I'll be preaching again next week, and we start a brand new series called Thriving in Babylon. But today, we have a great friend in uh, to, to preach with us. His name is Pastor Kendrick Vinar. He pastors a, an incredible church called Grace Church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Some of you don't know this. My wife and I, as we were planting our church, we were thinking about three different locations to plant Rise Church. One was in California. How many of y'all know that probably wouldn't have been a good idea? Uh, even though that's where I'm from, I don't tell anybody that people ask me now they're like where are you from I'm like Texas like this is where I that's where I'm from you know I don't even claim California if you do it's weird so uh so I was going to do California we had Texas on the map but we also had believe it or not the Carolinas we were thinking about planting in Carolinas I actually like South Carolina a little bit over North Carolina but honestly that whole Carolina coast to me is just I think God's country I love it and so uh, we were thinking about planting there but ultimately obviously landed here in Texas um, but I met uh, Pastor Kendrick we were talking about that actually on our um, just a little bit ago and I think it was around 14 2014 2015 so I've known him for so many years he actually knew me before I was a senior leader. So I was serving at a pastor's, uh, as a pastor at a church, and uh, he and he was just, uh, I think one of the best things, and I'll just say this, and you'll get this when he preaches. Um, one of the things, and I've told my wife about this, um, one of the things I admire most about Pastor Kendrick is that there is a joy inside of him that I think is contagious. And I don't know about you, but today in our world, like, the one thing that I think we desperately desperately need is our joy back. And um, one of the things I think I found most um, intriguing, at least the thing he challenges me most in my life, is I want to be as happy and as joyful and as kind as he is in life. And so I'm working towards it. I'm not there yet, okay? So I'm not I'm not there yet, but I brought him in here because he's one of, he's a really good friend of mine. He's an incredible golfer. He's, I'm not as good as he is, uh, but I'm really, honestly, he's a really good friend, and so I'm glad that he's here. Will you do me a favor and help me welcome Pastor Kendrick Vanar? to the stage. Come on, stand up on your feet, make some noise, show them some love. Awesome. It is so great to be here. Uh, I have so looked forward to being here. Uh, love you, love your church, love your pastor, uh, Pastor Aaron and Erica, just knowing them over the years and seeing what God has done through this church is amazing. Y'all don't know you're like, you're in the middle of a miracle? Like, you really are. You, you know, like, I get the privilege of traveling to some churches and stuff, and seeing what God is doing here is absolutely amazing. And uh, God had an idea for Rise Church. You know, like, it was his idea, and he's doing something amazing. And I just love Pastor Aaron and Erica and their heart 
for the Lord, their character, their integrity, their love for their family, their love for you, their passion to see God do something great in this area. And uh, I know that uh, y'all have an exciting time ahead. And uh, I tell you what, I'm going to be praying with you for a permanent home. And, and, and I'm sure that's on your heart and your mind and in your prayer, but I'd encourage you all put that in your journal. Like, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We love this. We're grateful. What a blessing to be here. This has been awesome. And, and, and who knows what the Lord's plan is? I don't even, you know, whatever. I don't know. But I, I, I just felt it walking in this morning that y'all need a permanent home. And we need to pray for that. We need to believe God for that. I, I believe this. God's going to do something, and we're going to say, only God. Only God could have done that. And there's something powerful when God's people come together, and we don't have the answer. We don't know how it can work out, and in the natural, whatever, whatever, and then God does it. And then you get back, and you're just like, he gets the glory. He gets the credit. He's the man, you know. It wasn't, wasn't great strategy. It wasn't a great plan. It was the Lord. And, and, and God really came through. And so, anyway, I just want you to know uh, I really love you. So glad to be here. I want to introduce my family real briefly to you. I'm married to my wife, Nana. I got five kids, five kids, you know, woo. And uh, uh, we, we, we've got four out of college now. Uh, thank you, Lord. Four off the dole, baby. All right. I got a raise. Uh, and then uh, one left in high school. This is photos from uh, a couple of years ago. We live out in the country on a farm. I was never a country guy, but we've really enjoyed living out in the country now for 10, 11 years. Got two steers. We had a couple of horses for several, seven, eight years. And um, got, my wife's got her chickens and her garden and her fig trees are, you know, whatever. And I train... Uh, uh, English Springer Spaniels for uh, bird hunting, and so uh, we, 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 we love that, gr gr great kids, and uh, I always think, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm a pretty good uh, pastor, but I'm really determined to be a great husband and dad, and really love Jesus, and so love my family, and uh, uh, they, uh, my wife really wished that she could be here with you today, and, and, and hopefully, uh, if I don't mess up too badly today, you know, get invited back, <laughs> she'll come next time, so. Um, hey, how have y'all enjoyed At The Movies? Was that fun? Yeah, gosh, I, I watched a little bit of it, and like, like the team did such a great job. It was amazing, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and I, I was a little self-conscious, right, because I was coming in like y'all been doing At The Movies. It's been epic, and y'all walk in this morning and go, where's the popcorn? You know, like, where's, like pastor, come on, like, like, you know, like, we just get him, <laughs> you know, anyway, um, Anyway, so uh, he, he, here's a crazy thought, is, is we can have fun at church, you know? Like, who knew, you know, um, that, 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 that you can have fun at church, you can grow in God while you're having fun. And, and you know, the world doesn't really believe that. There, there's an image out in the world that, that if, if we could, like, like Christians are uptight, are difficult, they're critical, and if we could just kind of get free of the shackles of rules and regulations and the constraints, we could be free to be ourselves and then truly be happy. And, and, and then the world paints Christians like that uptight and difficult. Like, I don't know if y'all watched The Office, but like Angela, you know, it's like a perfect picture. If y'all watch it, you know, like she's uptight, she's critical, she's unhappy, and she's a hypocrite. She's sleeping with Dwight, you know, and, you know, and, and, and that's the way the world looks at it, don't they? But it's not true. It's not true. Let me just tell you, the most happy, the most fulfilled, the most satisfied people are people that love Jesus. And, and, and you know why? Because Jesus is happy. Jesus is full of joy. I mean, I know, yeah, Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and he feels your pain. That's 100% true. But here's an aspect that we don't really think a lot about, about Jesus, is that he was happy. 
He laughed. He was full of joy, more than his companions, actually, the scripture says about him. And, 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 and he was really good with kids. And, and, and I think that one thing, if, 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 if we could hang out with Jesus, here's just my hunch, for a day, you, you, you'd feel so loved. And his peace and his joy, his joy, he, he, he is the happiest person ever. And he's full of joy. And I think as Christians, sometimes we wrestle a little bit with like, how do we sort through this issue of happiness and joy in the Christian life? Quick, quick side note, by the way, you know, sometimes in Christian circles, they'll talk about happiness and joy as two different things. Like happiness is because of what happened and joy is from God. And, you know, um, happiness is shallow and it's just our circumstance. And that's, I think, kind of a cool illustration or whatever definition. But let me just say this. It's actually not in the Bible. Like in the Bible, just, just FYI, I mean, if you all want to use that definition, whatever, that's cool. But let me just say this. It's not in the Bible, okay? Uh, like, like happiness and joy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's actually happy, okay? Happy are you, O Israel. Like, like the Bible uses happiness and joy. And I think part of why we're trying to sort it through is like, sometimes I think like in some Christian circles, like the Stoics, right? Like happiness was actually a bad thing. Like, I'm, I love God, you know, and, you know. And, and if you're happy, you're probably sinning, you know. Uh, but, but, but I think for most of us, we, we've kind of got beyond that. We see happiness as something that is a result of doing the right thing. That what we're supposed to do is obey God and love God. And if we, you know, and, and happiness or joy isn't something to be pursued. That would be shallow. But happiness or joy is something that's kind of a bonus if you're really loving the Lord. And, and if you're really committed, you know, and, and, and doing the right thing and doing your duty, you know. And, and, and let me just say this, that's what I believed. I mean, that was, uh, that was 100% my story. I, that, you know, um, let me give you a little background. I, I, I grew up going to church in ninth grade. My parents had kind of been gone through a hard season. And, and, and so they gave me a choice of, hey, if you want to go to church, you don't have to after confirmation. And, and so I went through confirmation. I look, kind of looked at my, my Christian friends and my school friends. And the only difference I could see is that, like, my school friends had more fun. <laughs> uh, there wasn't I don't know. It was just me at the time and my experience, but I couldn't see a, like a qualitative difference in their lives. And so I'm like, whatever, you know. And, and so I just kind of, you know, did the play basketball, football, and, you know, got, 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 got some decent grades and, you know, partied on the weekends or whatever. And, and the shallowness of that all eventually caught up with me. And in college, my sophomore year, I was just looking for it. I was looking for it. I won't tell you the long story, but I interviewed a pastor. Spring of my sophomore year, the week before um, spring break, and we were going to go down to Padre Island and party. Uh, I gave my life to the Lord, uh, and, and, and I just went all in. Like, it was, it was zero to 60. I mean, I was just like, doors of the church were open. I was there, and just took off, and, and I tell you what, my whole world got turned upside down. Like, God is real, and he loves us, and like, it was like, it was just like mind-blowing, and, and this is what I did. I took the same energy that I'd put towards, let's say, athletics or, or school or whatever, I just applied it to Jesus. Like, you know, like, I'll just outwork you, you know, I, I, and, 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 and if the doors of the church were open and I was there and I'm going to pray and, 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 and I think the Lord let me get away with it for a little while. And eventually it was like, dude, if I let you succeed, you would be the like so spiritually arrogant and difficult to be with. <laughs> and, and the Lord pulled the plug, uh, so to speak, and drained and showed some things that were in my heart that really needed to change. Uh, my in-laws lived in, in South Carolina. By the way, what was this about liking South Carolina better than North Carolina? I'm, I'm wounded in my spirit. I got to, like, I'm really struggling, you know? Like, I love and honor your pastor, but that was like, whoa. Okay, I'm just kidding. 
my, my in-laws, uh, my in-laws <laughs> lived in South Carolina, um, and they lived on this nice lake. Uh, it was really beautiful. And, and, but, but every like couple of years, they 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 drained the lake, and uh, you know this beautiful lake. There's all this garbage. I mean, there's like tires and bicycles and all kinds of like junk, and they cleaned it all up, and then they refilled the lake and it looked beautiful again. Well, honestly, it's a great picture, I think, what the Lord did in my life. He said, Kendrick, you know, you look kind of look good on the outside, but there's some things in your heart that I want to get to that are below the surface. And he kind of drained, I think, the light, you know. And uh, by the way, I didn't want to ask you, sometimes if you ever get that experience, you go through a tough season, and you see some things in your heart you don't like, you didn't really go backwards. The Lord tends to work in waves. And he'll go, you know what? I love you enough to dig a little deeper. So, so don't, 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 don't get too self-conscious if you, if you feel like, oh, well, what's this? You know, uh, that, that's often just, I think, the way the Lord works. So w- what happened was this, is, is, is um, I always just felt like if I wasn't doing well, I'll just try harder. I'll work harder. And, and, and here's my first thought for us today is this, that performance mentality leads to two things, pride and insecurity. Pride and insecurity. When you're in a performance mentality, pride and insecurity are the result. Pride and insecurity are two sides of the same coin. It's the coin of performance. Proud people are insecure. Insecure people are proud. It's not two different people. You know, it's really weird. I used to think it was two different people. Like, those are proud people. Those are insecure people. The truth is this. Those proud people, if you, like, like, when no one's looking in the quietness of their heart, they're insecure. And that insecure, sweet woman, you get her on the right topic and buckle up. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like... <laughs> Pride and insecurity, like, well, I'm just insecure. No, you're proud. Sorry. Like, it's performance. Because you're, you know, like, I don't know if you're ever like, I can't believe I did that. I'm above that. No, you're not. You're a sinner like the rest of us. Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, but that was me. I, that was so me. If I did well, I felt great. I maybe looked down on others. If I failed, I felt insecure. I felt like a loser. I'm such an idiot. Beating yourself up is not a sign of your humility. It's a sign of your performance mentality and lack of grace in your life. So uh, I realized I can't work my way out of a works mentality. I can't perform my way out of a performance mentality. I needed God to really change me and do a work in my heart. I'd gotten so busy serving God that I really wasn't enjoying God himself. And my heart wasn't happy. And, And I realized I needed to make a change. And let me just say this. Through it all, here was the revelation, the change that, 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 that summarized it is this, Kendrick, don't try harder, enjoy more. Don't try harder. Trying harder is what we naturally do out of performance. It's religion. It's actually the very system that Jesus came to blow up. There was a religious, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious system of trying harder that leads you to be critical and go, thank God I'm not like this sinner here. I fast twice a week and give my tithes, you know. And, 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 and the, the sinner was like, Lord, Lord, just forgive my sin. Performance is trying harder. Enjoying more is actually what the greatest commandment is, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbors yourself. But I'll tell you me, I was so into performance, and let me just say this, it's hardwired into human nature. I'm not talking to some of us today. I'm talking to all of us because we're all humans. And, and, and we all tend to do that. And I had turned even loving God into a performance. Trying harder, I'll pray more, I'll fast more, I'll be more broken, I'll serve more. (laughs) Henry Nguyen um, uh, has this quote um, that, uh, 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 let me see if I can find it. Uh, It was here somewhere. It was a really good quote. I'll get to it. (laughs) 
Lord have mercy. He says action, our lives reveal that action is really what changes things. We say it's the grace of God, but at the end of the day, I'm going to buckle up, try harder, pull myself up Christian bootstraps and get her done. Okay, so what? don't try harder, enjoy more. I was doing all the right things, but the motivation for why I was doing it was off a little bit. And the Lord needed to dig in my heart and get after that and move me, I believe from this, from a performance, religious, try harder, striving in my own effort, in my own strength, to really what Jesus came to bring, which was grace, which is the love of God, enjoying God. Now, we all know we're supposed to glorify God, right? If I said, what, why do you exist? I exist to, you know, we exist to glorify God. Westminster Confession of Faith, we exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And, 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 but the question is, how do you really glorify God? How do you really glorify God? Or let me ask you, put it this way, why do you obey God? Why do you obey God? And I think most of us, if we interview people here around, you know, San Antonio, coming out of church, hey, why do you obey God? Do you obey God because it's the right thing to do? Or because of the pleasure and the happiness and the joy that it gives you? Why do you obey God? Because it's the right thing to do. Because I should. Because God's God. Or because, now, of the pleasure and the happiness and the joy that it gives me. Now, I know what most of us would say. This is what I would have said. Listen, I don't obey God because of my happiness and joy. I mean, that's so shallow. I mean, sometimes you got to suck it up. Sometimes you got to dig deep. Sometimes, you know, you got to do the right thing no matter what, and you got you to, you gotta, like, just do it, you know? Like, you can't do it for your happiness. You know, that's so shallow, you know? Now, let me give you a little analogy. This analogy turned it for me, and, 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 and here's the analogy. I decide I want to surprise my wife. I'm, by the way, I'm going to need some of the ladies, particularly if you're married, to help participate with me here in just a minute. You can give me some feedback, okay, on how I'm doing, okay? So uh, here's the analogy. I decide I want to surprise my wife, okay? And, and, and it's Friday. I'm going to come home early. Instead of getting home at 5 or 6, 3 in the afternoon, there's a knock at our front door. My wife comes to the front door. She opens the door, and she goes, honey, you're home early. I said, yes, I am. And, she, and I said, and guess what? And these are for you. And there's a dozen red roses. And they're people, oh, she goes, she wouldn't really do that, but it's good for the story. Uh, oh, she goes, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Now, what if I said this, ladies? If I, if I said, help me out. Give me a little feedback. If I said, sweetheart, okay, so this morning, I was doing my devotions, and I read in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives. And you know what? I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to suck it up, and you got to do your duty, even when it hurts, and even when it's painful. And, 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 and again, I didn't want to. It didn't. But, I, you know, I, I'm going to do my Christian duty as a good husband, and, and these are for you, babe. Ladies, help me out. How's that going to go? No, take, take, take roses, bat husband. Okay. One more time. Rewind and play. Honey, you're home early. Yes, I am. And these are for you. Oh, why did you do it? And what if I said this? I said, well, sweetheart, let me tell you why. You know what? I got up this morning. I looked at the calendar, and I realized we have absolutely nothing planned this weekend. That never happens. And I thought there for a moment. You know what? I could do absolutely whatever I wanted. So I thought, what gives me more pleasure and joy and happiness than anything in this whole wide world? It's you. I got a sitter. I just want to spend the evening with you. You are my greatest joy, my happiness. There's nothing more 
exhilarating, special than spending an evening just the two of us. If I could choose to do anything in the whole wide world, it would to be with you. Is that any better? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit better. Okay, now, none of you said this. Oh, I heard what you said. Whatever will make me happy. No, no, my finding my happiness and my joy in my wife honored her, esteemed her. That actually was the expression of love. And doing our duty is, is, is good. Like, you're, 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 like, my wife would rather have me dutifully give her roses, forgive me, I know this is awkward, than give the neighbor lady roses. Like, I mean, that's disobeying, right? That's wrong. She goes, I'll take the dutiful roses. But actually, our duty is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, is to rejoice in the Lord always, and to find our pleasure and our happiness in God. God wants your heart. He wants him to be the one that you deeply and most passionately love and enjoy. And, and, and when I heard that, I was like, I got this wrong. Joy and happiness isn't the problem isn't a result of doing the right thing. It is actually the very thing that we're meant to pursue. The problem is this, not the pursuit of joy or happiness. Let me just tell you this. You know, I'm not so sure about that, Pastor. Okay, I love the Lord. Sometimes it's not easy. Okay, I know sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes you do fall back on your duty. But let me just say this, is, is you cannot get rid of your desire to be happy, to have joy. Let me, and there's others too, by the way. You could go down the line of your desire to be significant, your desire to have influence, your desire to make an impact. Like those desires are from God. He hardwired them. You can't fast them away. You can't, like they're not the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is trying to find your happiness in something before God himself, like anything. That's actually what the, the Bible uses this language, and maybe you're familiar with it uh, if you've been in church for a while, but it, the Bible calls it an idol. See, an idol is anything that replaces God having first place in your heart. And God wants to be the one that you most enjoy, that you love, that he's the best, he's the greatest. He loves to give you gifts, but he's the giver. And if our joy and our happiness are found first in God and in his love for us, we delight in that, we enjoy it, we pursue it, we're happy in God, then everything else, you see, you put God in his first place, and then you can enjoy everything else in its right place. But you got to put God in his first place and enjoy him and love him. He doesn't, he's not looking for Christian soldiers that religiously do the right thing. He's looking for people to love him. <laughs> Lord, good morning. I'm back. Your favorite kid. <laughs> A little side note. You do know you're God's favorite. You're God's favorite. That's what John said. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Isn't that kind of cool? You're, I say, I got five kids. I always say, you know, like to Amelia, I'll say, you know, we kind of tried with those other four. It's good warm up. But Amelia, you're my favorite. She was dad, you know. But I'll say it to all of them, right? I'll say it to all of them. That's how God feels about you. He looks down here on seven point, whatever, seven, seven point eight billion people, and he goes, You're my favorite. I love you. And he wants your heart securely enjoying his love and everything else then in its right place. And that will change you. And that will transform your life. Listen to David in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? 
And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Whom have I in heaven but you? You're the best. There's, I desire nothing else, like in comparison. Now listen, I do enjoy golf. And I like to hunt a little bit. And I, you know, got my hobbies and this and that. And I, listen, I, I, I believe in enjoying life. But I believe that if we love God first and, and we go, compared to how much I love you, God, and I enjoy you, and I want to be with you, I tell you what, every, that's what David, of course David desired other things, but in comparison, he says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to live my whole life somewhere else. The next verse is this, my flesh and my heart may fail. Man, I can't do this with my own strength. I can't do it, but, but listen, but God is the strength in my heart and he's my portion forever. He's my portion. He's the pearl of great price. If I got God, I'm good. If I have God, I'm good. Everything else may shake. Everything else may Go through it, but if I got God, he's my portion. Enjoying God glorifies God. Here's the, the second thing is, enjoying God changes you. Enjoying God will change you. How do people change? How are you going to change? How are you going to be different than you are a year from now? Like, y'all know the root of every social evil. We could go through, you know, whatever. If you trace it back, there's a problem in the human heart. I mean, all the things out there, all the terrible evil things that are out there. The end of the day comes down to the human heart. Then the question is, I love talking to people that, are on a journey to discover who Christ is. I say, well, how do people change? Like, how do people change? Uh, is it more education? Because smarter people are better people, right? No. Uh, more money. Because richer people are better people, right? No. Well, let's just fix the government. Then everything will be great. I go, listen, listen, no, no, none of that. How do human hearts really change? Greek mythology has a great uh, analogy for us. There was a Ulysses in the Greek army went and rescued Helen and Troy, and they're going to bring her back to Ithaca. And they have to go by this, uh, maybe you know this Greek mythology story, but the, you have to go by the sirens. And the sirens have got this seductive music that, that, that nobody could resist. And, 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 and so Ulysses has got this plan. He goes like, yeah, I'm kind of curious, you know. I uh, kind of want to, like, what would this be like? And so he comes up with a plan, and he says, okay, strap me on, this, uh, on the front of the ship, and he told uh, his man, put wax in your ears, and you just keep rowing, uh, and don't listen to me, and he's going to hear the sirens, okay? And so that's what they did. His man has got wax in their ears. They come rowing by. He hears the sirens. He hears the world, the pull of sin, and, and his heart rages with a desire, like, oh, if only I could, whoop, 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 you know? Uh, wouldn't it be great? And, and his heart rages. He yells at his, his man, but his man just, you know, they got their wax in ears. You know, just grit it out. Just be a Christian. You just do the right thing. Try harder. Gosh, just get to heaven. Don't try to sin too much. Now, Jason had a different strategy. Jason had a different strategy. He said Orpheus was the greatest musician in all of Greek mythology. And he played a music that was so much more beautiful and he put Orpheus at the front of the ship, and he told his men, he said, hey, I want you to look at Orpheus. I want you to listen to the music. I want your heart to get captured by the beautiful music of Orpheus. And they just sailed on by the sirens. Don't try harder. Enjoy more. Trying not to sin is a really bad strategy. Okay, 
fixing your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now listen, I believe, I, 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 honestly, I think we should all do both, right? The Bible gives warnings and blessings. We, you, should, you should put up healthy boundaries and say no and submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. But, but it's, it's, it's a dual strategy. If you're trying to make change, you go, you go I'm saying no to this, but I'm saying yes to this, baby, because God's better. He's more enjoyable. His ways are better. He's delightful. He's powerful. And there may be some delayed satisfaction because the, the devil always says, hey, get this now and get it for cheap. That's why sin deceives. It, it, it promises pleasure, but it doesn't deliver. God delivers every time. The happiest, the healthiest. And there's a little bit of thanks, but no thanks. I'm going with something better, baby. Enjoying God changes the human heart. Now, how does this play out biblically? Because I think often we try harder to become better. And, 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 and the truth is this. When you know God, you're going to become like him. That's how it really changes. When you get to know God, this is eternal life that they might know you. Then you become like him. See, you can't try harder. Don't try harder. Enjoy more. Let me give you an example. Have you all ever tried harder to be patient? Let's just say, for example, I know y'all have never had this experience, but let's just say probably the church down the road, some of those folks have had this problem, but people at work get on your nerves, you know, and, and you realize like, oh, he drives me crazy. Oh, she pushes all my buttons, you know, and you go, okay, Monday morning, I'm driving into work. I will be patient. She won't drive me crazy. I will be patient. He's not going to get on my nerves. How long does that last? Have y'all ever made it to lunch? No, you walk in the door, you know, like, you know, and you're like, you know, okay. It doesn't work trying harder to be more patient. Pull yourself up by bootstraps. Try harder. So if you're going to really change, let's say you want to grow in some area of your life, how do you really change? Well, listen to First, Second Corinthians gives us, uh, I believe this, these three verses give us a way to know how we can really change. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He's the Father of mercies. And, and check this out. He, he is the God of all comfort. That's who God is. If you get to know the God of all comfort, so let me just say this, though. When the Bible talks about knowing God, it's not talking about intellectually being able to fill out a uh, multiple choice and get the answers right. It actually means that you know God experientially. That's knowing God. So he's the God of all comfort, check this out, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So listen, he's the God of all comfort, that's who he is. He comforts me in all my affliction so that I can comfort you. We can only give away what we have. We love because he first loved us. So let's say you want to be a more loving person. You go, I'm not very loving. They drive me crazy, okay? He's the God of all love who loves me in order that I could love you. We love because he first loved us. He's the God of all grace. You know, people aren't very full of grace. It's because they don't know the God of all grace. They think God's mostly mad and mostly sad. You know who they're hardest on? Themselves. And they think God's mostly mad at what they've done wrong and mostly sad about what they're not doing. And who wants to hang out with somebody like that? Hey, Friday night, you want to invite this person over to your house? He's mostly mad and mostly sad. He's disappointed in you, and you don't quite measure up to his perfect standard. And he'll just sit there and go, huh. Let me tell you this, your God in heaven loves you, delights in you. He's, he's the father of all mercies. He's, he smiles over you. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. He enjoys you. 
He smiles over you. And if you're going to be changed, pick anything you want. He's the God of all kindness. If you want to be a more kind person, how do you become more kind? Try harder to be kind. It's not going to work. You're not going to become a more kind person. When we know him, we become like him. One day we'll see him as he is, and we'll be transformed in a moment and become like him. The reason why you'll be like Christ in heaven is you'll see him for who he is, and you'll be transformed in a moment and become like him. And on earth, while we're here, between now and then, if you want to become more Christ-like, get to know Christ better. We can only give away what we have. We love because he first loved us. That is what changes your heart. Don't try harder. Enjoy God more. Don't try harder. Delight in him. Be loved by him. I mean, yes, you got to own your, your, your stuff. You go like, okay. You get frustrated with your kids. You realize you were not very patient. Own it. Hey, I mean, I think one thing I did as a parent was I apologized a lot. Like, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> your kids get their understanding of who God is from you. <laughs> so I don't like that fact. <laughs> I go... <laughs> I'm like, ugh. I felt the responsibility of that. Like, oh my gosh. You know, like, like I was right, but I was wrong. So I would own it. You got to own it, right? Hey, will you forgive me that? But if, if I want to be more patient, more kind next time around, how am I going to do that? Try harder to be a better dad? I just got to be a better dad. I'm such an idiot. I'm such an idiot. Beat myself up. God, I'm such a loser. I'm such a bad parent. I'm such a bad mom. You're not, it won't change you. So what you, what you do is this, you go, God, you've been so kind and gracious to me. We forgive as we've been forgiven. You've forgiven me. You've been kind. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to spend some time with Jesus. And I'm going to soak in his love and his smile and his grace and his kindness towards me. And I'm just going to let it wa wash over my heart. And then, and then you know what? We love because he first loved us. I can be a little more kind. I can forgive as I've been forgiven. Because we become like God when we know him. Don't try harder. Enjoy more. It's not, it, it's not shallow. It's deep. It gives you a peace. The Bible says this. It gives you a peace which surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It'll help you get through tough times. I'm going to close with one last thought here for you. I, uh, it's two and a half years ago. I, I, I had some problems with my feet. I don't know if you all know. I'm like hanging out of the pulpit here. Uh, I couldn't like like I couldn't stand up straight. I, I, if I started like leaning over, I, I'm doing much better. Uh, I, I'd like fall over, you know, um, and and my balance was you know kind of messed up. And so I, I I went to I saw PAs and I saw I mean I saw everybody in the whole wide world. One day I, I couldn't stand up on my toes. And I'm like oh, that's a problem not being able to stand up on your toes, you know. And uh, so I ended up seeing a neurologist at Duke, and and I had seen her once or twice. And they'd run all kinds of nothing was coming up with nothing, you know. So I went I had a 15 minute appointment with her. And uh, I go in to see her, and uh, uh, I ask my questions. I got my little questions in Evernote and asked her those. And she, she says, well, I, I, I need to show you something. And she pulled up a, uh, uh, a picture on her computer, and there in my neck, C6, there's a pretty significant growth going on. And she said, Kendrick, I, I have to tell you, you have cancer. And I, I was like, I was stunned. Like, no one in my family has cancer, you know. And I was so glad there was a photo of her. I don't think I would have believed her. I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm good, <laughs> you know. Uh, the problem was with my feet, you know. It was in my hands a little bit. Anyway, I, I won't tell you about all that. But I tell you what, my 50-minute appointment turned into an hour and a half. Um, it was really surreal, like, realizing that nobody in the world knew this. 
He said, me, you know, like, like not even my wife, by the doctor and I, you know. And I went to give blood, and uh, I had held it together, you know, pretty well until I went to give blood. And you're in this curtain, and this sweet lady was there, and a little, little older lady, and she's drawing my blood. And I just, like, broke down and, like, realized, like, oh, crap, you know. And uh, she, she, was, she was like, sweetheart, you listen to me. She said, don't you let the devil in. I'm like, oh, I, I actually felt really low. I'm like, theologically, I think you're off, but I, I, the sentiment, you know, like really warmed my heart, you know. Um, and uh, I was walking out to my truck trying to figure, do I drive home? Do I call my wife? I say, well, I think it was me. I'd want to know right away. And I'll call my wife when I get to my truck. And hopped in my truck and, and, and I was going to grab my phone and, 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 and I stopped there and had a moment with the Lord where I said, God, hey, before I talk to anyone else, I want to talk to you here just for a moment. I want to tell you, I love you. And I'm good. And no matter what happens, I'm going to love you. I'm not going to accuse you. And if I have you, I'm good. And I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to ask why or why me. I'm not going to hold anything against you. You've been so good to me. And, like, you didn't promise me 90 years of health, wealth, and happiness. You know what I'm saying? Like, every day is a gift. Every breath is a gift. And we got home, and my wife said the most profound thing I learned in the whole journey is uh, she said, um, I, we were just talking for 10, 15 minutes, and she said, sweetheart, in one moment, everything in life becomes crystal clear. I tell you what, what got us through that season, and right now I'm all clear, praise God. I, I sometimes better tell that part of the story. You're like, are you okay? <laughs> um, my feet are still a little messed up, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming back by God's grace. Um, but I tell you what, God's a pearl of great price. He's the best. And we've all been through it, y'all know that, in the last two and a half years, it's been tough. I tell you what, sometimes God shakes everything that can be shaken in order that what remains eternal is good and I want to find my joy my happiness my pleasure in God himself he loves you he's for you he smiles over you he really is with you and for you and I want to pray a blessing over you today and, and, and you know maybe you're here today uh, as a guest you've been coming for a little while trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing let me just tell you this Jesus says behold I stand at the door and I knock if anyone opens the door I'll come in I want to tell you this. God brought you here today to tell you he loves you. He loves you. He's got a plan. He's the best. And you don't have to try harder, figure it out, get yourself act together. You go, eh, you know. I'll tell you for me, part of why I kind of resisted the whole thing is I'm like, uh, I wouldn't be the best Christian. <laughs> That's the whole point. If you don't feel qualified, praise God. You're right on track. If you feel unqualified to be a good Christian, then you know you're a sinner who needs a Savior, which is Jesus, and he loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. And he'll forgive you. And he'll, he'll do something fresh in your heart by grace. Not because you earn it, not because you deserve it, because he loves you. So, Father, we thank you today that we can be here in your presence. And you truly are a good, good Father. I thank you for every person here and where we're tired, where we're weary, 
where we feel like maybe we've been carrying our own burdens. You know, as we close our eyes and as I pray for you, I, I think of that verse, it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. One thing that happens when we try harder is we end up carrying our own cares and burdens and we get tired and we get weary. I think there's an invitation from the Lord's heart today to you to say, cast your cares, cast your worries, cast your frustrations on me. Don't try harder, enjoy more. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who's for you. Maybe you're here today to take that step of saying, hey, I want to begin my journey with Christ. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want him to forgive me. Lord, forgive me for all my sin. And just let the Lord start a journey. Keep coming back. Let God do something really good in your heart. You don't have to get it all fixed. Just keep showing up and see what God does. Father, I pray blessing over every person here, over Rise Church, that you will continue your good work in this incredible church. In Jesus' name, amen.